know if it's, it's, it's on your mind like it was my mind when I first got saved, is that I really wanted to finish well. Now, I was 18 years old when I when I dedicated my heart to Christ and really just said, I want to live for you, God. And that's what I'm talking about that time. I got saved earlier, actually. But um, <clears throat> I just had a kind of a burning desire to finish well. I don't even know why as a young man like that I was thinking about the end. But as I grew older and as I got around more people and realized that there was a good reason why I was thinking that way. The Holy Spirit was leading me probably. Search me, O God, and know my heart and try me. You want to know the word try me there? The word search me, try me, know my thoughts. To see if there be any wicked way in me and leave me in the way everlasting. The two ways. Take me away from the wicked way and leave me in the way everlasting. And what God leads us. So in there, if you look at that, he says, search me, try me, see me and lead me. That verse is a powerful verse. It says a lot about the heart of the individual towards God. And by the grace of God tonight, I'm still used to looking back though. Let's see if this thing will work. I gotta turn it on. If you still do that, you still leave it on once in a while. Good. Keep keep making mistakes. That makes me look better. Okay. Would you agree that too many good soldiers have fallen? And many of you have been around a while in, in Christian circles. And you've seen some good soldiers fall. We're in a war. You have to have casualties. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us that we have casualties. If we're in a real war. Now, if we're in patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, it's not a real war, then you wouldn't expect that. But if it's a real war, you expect casualties. You expect people to get wounded. And once in a while, you expect people to get killed in any war. Why would spiritual war be any different? And it is not. And these these uh, Christians, and many of them, and if I say numbers of them at least, have been, are fairly what we would call mature Christians. Not just babies. Mature Christians. Christians have been around a while. Christians have walked with God a while. Know their Bible. I put up there, evidently, how much Bible you know will not alone save you from falling. I believe in knowing the Bible. With every fiber of my being, I believe you ought to know the Bible. You ought to read the Bible. You ought to study the Bible. You ought to memorize the Bible. But that alone won't do it. That alone won't do it. Sometimes you get the idea as a young Christian, if I just memorize enough, read enough, know enough, then I'll be okay. But that's not the way it plays out. Knowledge of the Bible alone is not enough. I can safely say that. Uh, evidently, character and discipline alone are not enough because I've known very character people fall. Sad to say. Very disciplined people fall. What do I mean by fall? Go back into sin. Evidently, daily devotions and memorization, good church attendance are not enough alone to keep you from falling. Not enough alone. Now, those are all good, and I think you ought to do all of those, and I'll be part of your life, absolutely. If you love Jesus, you love his local church, you love his book, you want to do his will, you want to put it on your heart, that word, if I hid my heart, that I might not sin against thee. 
what happened to a man after God's own heart? You know, what happened to Abraham, the father of all who believe? He lied twice, said his wife was his sister. And I don't know about your wife. But I don't think my wife would go really well with that. If, I, if you're getting a tight pinch and to save your own hide, you call your wife, oh, that's my sister, and then jeopardize her well-being for your well-being. That, that trade-off doesn't go too well under anybody's scrutiny. You're not going to be able to make Abraham look good anyway, I don't think. Now, I, what I love about the Bible, it shows the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Bible's a body book. It's a body book. I've known parents wouldn't let their kids read certain books of the Bible. Isn't that terrible? By the way, I object to that. Do you think that's a good thing to object to? I mean, come on. Don't you're, I don't let my kids read Songs of Solomon. So you're telling me that there's parts of the Bible that are bad for your children. I think you're a little bit maybe egotistical in your degree of chivalry. Anyway, didn't do much good. They didn't do what I said anyway. But anyways, too many well-meaning people have shipwrecked. Evidently, since I'm just looking at it, evidently sincerity and strong desire to win alone is not enough. It's all good to have a good, sincere spirit, strong desire to do right. But it's not enough, evidently, to keep you from falling. Too many start out well, move left, and crash. I went to Bob Jones University, strong school in the 70s, especially 70 to 77, probably the height of their school. They had the old guard were still there. All the old guard teachers were still there. All the founding people pretty much were still there. Your professors were your old guard. They're solid people. And it was the height of their world. They had about 6,500 students. It was the height of their world, not only in strength, but it was the height of their world in number. They were the largest Christian school in the world back then. And so, but a lot of the people I went to school with, as time went on, fell away or fell and damaged themselves so bad they got to get out of the ministry. And that doesn't take you out of God's ministry, but, you know, because you can, you can, the righteous fall seven times and rise up again, they get right and confess their sin and go on for God, but they can't be certain things they disqualify themselves for. And they can't go back on that. Is this too loud for you? It will be. I'm just kidding. Drifting, drifting, and this is what happens, I believe. How, why do, why do, why did Christian? Excuse my terminology, but I'm going to try to verbalize this to where it'll get through. Why do good Christians fall? And don't you be out there, Pharisaical, saying they must not have been good Christians, and they wouldn't have failed. Drifting is imperceptible to you and to me. Because it comes in little baby steps. Years ago, I adopted this passage, and I want to stick with my slides here so I have some cohesiveness to this whole thing. Why? Why did I adopt this? I want to survive. That's why. I want to survive all the way home. I want to be. I want to end faithful to God and the Word of God. Now I'm 71, but I haven't finished yet. 
Now tonight I go home, have the big one, and go to heaven. Then I have finished. Amen. But up to this moment, I have not finished my course. But I'm getting hopeful that I can finish my course well. My heart has been broken. I've wept in the pulpit. You, you know it. You've known me. You've either been here a while. When I preach on some of my brothers that have fallen, how it just overwhelms me and it overcomes me sometimes with emotions. And my heart, my heart is just broken for that kind of thing when it happens. I just don't want to be another one. I don't want to be another statistic. But I'm not talking just about me. I'm talking about you. Because if you, I think if you don't, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure of this, but if you don't consciously uh, put to practice some of the things tonight that we go over, you probably will become a victim of some failure. You disappoint Jesus and the people of God and the world who's looking at you for an example. You don't want to do that. I don't want to hinder others on their journey to the kingdom. I don't want people to say, well, oh, I thought Christianity was good, but I knew that preacher. I heard a story today of a preacher, an evangelist that was a hypocrite. Today, just today. You think that damages the cause of Christ? It sure does. No wonder we go door to door and so many people don't open the door. They slam the door. They don't want to hear any more about it. Between the, between the internet preachers, the hypocrisy of those internet preachers, the lifestyle they live, you know, I've got, only got two jets, I need a third one. I mean, you know, I'm, right, I'm wearing a $100,000 Rolex, that kind of thing. I'm living in this, you know, 25,000 uh, square foot mansion with three, four pools that fall into each other, and that kind of thing. That's the lavishness, the hypocrisy, uh, the, the, using the miracles uh, uh, working uh, of the Bible and using that to to brandish uh, uh, hypocrisy and and make money off of people that are sick. Oh my goodness! You wonder anybody believe, but they do. Praise the Lord. So I don't want to be part of that group. So this is real war. These are some verses that the Bible talks about war. For wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness. Of what? Of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. High governmental places. You lately have seen that, obviously. Although we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 and 5. We see for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the flesh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down, this is part of our activity daily, right? Casting down imaginations. I don't know if you watch YouTube or if you watch TikTok or if you watch, look at Instagram or if you do all those things that Brother Wiffs and I, for some reason, are being led about. Also, Bill Moyer. Moyer's is it? He's even raising the flag on that. Now, we're talking about a raving liberal, Bill Moyer. He's raising the flag. He said the minds of our children are being vegetated Casting down imagination. Imagine what's input in the minds of children. You say, and let me say this conservatively. Some of the things that get into the minds of the kids without the internet would eventually get into their minds. But it would take a while. But now it's being accelerated. The timing of it is being accelerated. The 10-year-olds know what 
40-year-olds used to, what a 40-year-old married man knows, now a 10-year-old knows. There's something real wrong. Something real wrong with that. That's all that says, celebration. Every high, every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, which about everything you see on the Internet, 42% of the Internet is devoted to pornography. It exalts itself against God. What is pornography? It's exalting itself against God. God said it's wrong. They say it's right. They're calling evil good and good evil. And so bring into captivity every thought of the obedience of Christ. So we have this thing where we are to constantly be casting these imaginations down. So if you if you or I are if you or I are uh, violating these principles and we're we continually bathing ourselves, no wonder bathing ourselves in evil things, no wonder God's not helping us. People cry out to God, oh God help me. Help me. But then they you go back to that and no wonder you're struggling. Because you keep opening that same wound, opening that same wound, won't let it heal, won't let it heal. By the way, I did not ask, any, I have not been in the Sunday school class of Todd. I, I go back and pray and study before I preach. So it's interesting how he and I have been paralleling on his thoughts. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. We don't talk to each other or plan this as such. Again, about the war, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to prophecies, which went before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. So just talking about warfare there. And then the conflict that you and I have every day is the lust, flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. How many would say amen to that? I feel it. These are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. It's a struggle. It's a battle. It's a constant battle in the born, as a born-again believer. So how do you survive? So that was all introduction. So how do you survive? How do, you, how do you make it? I believe Psalm 139, 23, 24 is a good way to do it. Search me. Go to God in prayer. You see, people say to me, Bill, how do you pray? Well, this I go to the Bible, and the Holy Spirit identifies some of these things to me as you read down through them. In other words, if you read Psalm 139, a lot of that Psalm did not stand out to me. But man, when I hit them last couple of verses, it's like the Holy Spirit said, that's for you. That they don't turn red like this. That's my emphasis. But they, it is a, it is something almost like that. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts. Why would that? Why do those things have to be? Why do I need to pray that? And then, of course, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Why can't I tell? And lead me in the way everlasting. I thought I know the way. I knew the way. And God, but He says, No, you need me to help you. So how does God search us? Let's start, we'll just kind of do a little quick exposition of this passage. Word of God searches us. You know that. People search us also. The Holy Spirit searches us as we read the Word of God. And then our conscience searches us. So these are four areas at least that, that are constantly uh, uh, searching us. We read the Word of God and it'll cut through a lot of the facades, a lot of your false thinking about things. If you don't read the Bible, if you don't, look at the Bible, read the Bible, and meditate on the Bible, you really don't have much of a chance of survival in the long term. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. What I'm saying is the devil knows you're saved, and his goal for you is to spoil heaven as much as possible. He can't stop you from going there, but he can spoil it. Oh, my. Every man's work should be made manifest for the, you know, we're going to stand at the 
beam of seed of Christ, and he's going to put our works up, hay, wood, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stones, and fire of God's judgment is going to go on those things, and what's left will be those things which are eternal and lasting, we're pleasing to God in obedience with the light amount of light you had, what did you do with it? And so the devil himself can try to short you for what God wants you to have in heaven, but God can't just inadvertently give it to you. You have to live it. You have to be tested. You have to go through it. You have to walk it. You have to talk it. Your talk talk and your walk talks. Sometimes our talk talks louder than our walk talks. And we want our walk to talk louder than our talk talks. So you have all that. People, so people also are pretty good judges. I mean, sometimes they're a little severe. But most of the time when they look at you, they can pick it up. You know. Holy Spirit is the best judge. The Holy Spirit of God will, ooh, he won't let you go. He'll, he'll come there and help you to be... You know, be holy for I am holy. God says that, but he gives you an ability to do it, too, to have it. Holy simply means to be Christ-like, to have the sanctification that God wants us to have, to be like him. Our conscience also, even though consciences can be uh, seared and they can be hardened and they, can, you, they don't necessarily are always accurate, they can be changed, conscience, in a way, is a general guide uh, that is not too bad, not too bad. And, and if you haven't had a chance to harden your conscience or sear your conscience or defile your conscience, your conscience isn't too bad. Now, as you get older, I've seen 50, 60-year-olds with seared, defiled, hardened consciences. Their consciences are doing them no good at all. They can murder without even blinking an eye. They can kill. They can, I mean, how does a woman go down and have an abortion? Her conscience is screaming, don't do it. But the TV and the internet and her boyfriend and everybody is trying to tell her the conscience is wrong. That's what they mean by hardening your conscience or defiling your conscience or searing your conscience and trying to tell your conscience you're wrong. And eventually the conscience just kind of mutes a little bit and they go ahead and commit what they knew was wrong. I've had women in my offices cry. They don't. They don't cry. They weep. That they they defiled their conscience when they knew better. That's God's mercy to us. The Word of God's merciful tells us what's right and wrong. People in some cases will help you and tell you what's right and wrong. The Holy Spirit, for sure, always will tell you what's right and wrong, especially if He has a Word of God to bounce off of. And then our consciences are something. So how does how does God search us? That's one some of the ways. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. That's it. Know my heart. Well, the problem is with us is in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the heart's de deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, right? Who can know it? The Bible's clear that we cannot. You know how the, you know how you got this, this saying on TV and everywhere it say, uh, follow your heart, follow your dreams. That's of hell. That's from the, the depths of hell. That is the most stupid advice I ever heard in my life. My dreams, especially my carnal dreams, are not even close to God's dreams. They're not God's dreams. Now, if God gives you a dream, God gives you a vision to do something right and spiritual, well, then do it with all your heart. But that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about do your thing. Do what you want to do.
Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's another one. 1914 of Psalms. So, we move on here. Know my thoughts. So he says, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Don't I know my own thoughts? You don't know your own thoughts? You need some help with your own thoughts? You know, you actually do. The Word of God is quick, actually alive, and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing him, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, But God hath revealed unto them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So we need help with our thoughts and understanding what they are and whether they're good, bad, or whatever. There's nothing covered, the Bible says, that, is not revealed, that will not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Someday everything's coming out in the open. It's a whole lot better for you and me if they're coming out in the open now. That's what it means to confess your faults one to another. That's what it means to confess your sin to God. Be faithful and He's just faithful and just forgive us. Better to cough it up now. Be embarrassed now. Be ashamed now. Be broken now than it is to be broken at the judgment seat of Christ. Shed tears now so you don't have to shed tears at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, be. Be humble now so that you're not humbled at the judgment seat of Christ. So in the second part of that the verse, the next, the next verse, and as I'm talking to you there in Psalm 139, try me. So what about that? Well, the Bible, I, I wish God would take me for my word. He, he often doesn't take me for my word's sake. Tries me, right? The trial of your faith. How could you say that, being much more precious than gold that perisheth? Trial of your faith. I don't like trials. I'm in a trial right now. I've been married 51 years. If you don't think that's a trial, you just haven't been married. Being married is a test. I think God has a sense of humor putting two people of opposite likes and opposite dislikes in the same room and tells them, get along, by the way. Oh, by the way, like each other and love each other. The Bible tells you love each other. I tell my wife, I don't have to like you, but I am commanded to love you. But I actually have grown to love her. I mean, like her. <laughs> but it's not just marriage. Not just marriage. Everything around you is a test, amen? Raising children is a massive test. Uh, having employment is a massive test. Going to school, massive test. Being honest in a crooked world is a massive test. How honest does God want you? Totally. Uh, Chris Powell used to say he was an accountant, he was a judge, he was all kinds of stuff. He used to say, watch your pennies, you don't have to worry about your dollars. I hate that statement. Watch your pennies, you don't have to worry about your dollars. In other words, if you won't cheat a penny, you won't cheat a dollar. Some people have a limit of cheating. They can cheat up to a certain point, but after that amount, it's bad. Stop. That's like a little white lie. That was never a little white nine a little white lie never was white and it never was little. 
lies a lie, you know. All sin comes short of glory of God. He that offends law on one point is guilty of all. So one lie is enough to send you to hell. So how could there be a little white lie? Sometimes all that. That's like trying to make, don't categorize sin like that. Let God take care of all that. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 talks about trying. Also James, the book of James 1, 2, and 3 says, My brother encounter all joy. When you fall into diverse temptation, I believe Marilyn Rose is watching this. That bothers me that that went black right there when I said that. Marilyn, you got a button out now in your chair. But uh, Marilyn Rose, you know, fell and compressed her back and it quit it, Marilyn. And she compressed her back and, and she hurt herself and she's, you know, in pain and then her stomach's bothering. And she's had a lot of trials. Her husband died a couple years ago, lost him, and, you know, on and on. And and you've got similar stories. You know, you, you people have had all kinds of, you've had everything go wrong, almost can go wrong, a human being. And uh, the, but we were supposed to count it all joy. I, I struggle with that, but I understand that joy is not happiness. You can have a trial, and you don't have to be happy about it, but you do have to have joy about it. You know what I mean? Joy is the knowing that God's going to use this trial to make me a better Christian. And you can have a certain amount of joy that God's going to help you be a better Christian because of the trouble you're having. Now, that, you're not going to giggle. You're not going to laugh. You're not going to be happy. Ha, ha, ha. God doesn't expect you to do that. But he does expect you to understand where it's coming from and what it's trying to do, and I'll go into that in a minute. Knowing this is a trying of your faith, work of patience. Well, let patience, and this is us, let, let, let. We have to let this work. Let patience have a perfect work. You may be perfect, that is complete, entire, wanting nothing. And then in Romans 5, 3, and it goes on, and, and, and I'm kind of picking this up in the middle of the narrative. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, kind of having the joy and trial, glory and tribulations there. And what is that? Knowing that tribulation, this is the pattern. Tribulation works what? Patience, right? Patience. What does patience work? Patience works experience. Some of you had a lot of trials. Some of you had more trials than others. Some of you are more experienced than others at trials, which teaches patience. Consequently, because of your multiple trials, you become more patient with time. It takes time. And that patience, you've seen God work through impossible situations somehow. And that gives you hope. It gives you hope. And boy, with hope, you can do anything. And hope makes it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So you end up, you end up at the end of what is a mature Christian? What's the difference between, let's just say, a mature Christian and an immature Christian? One of the big things is the mature Christian knows God's going to come through. He knows he's coming through. He knows it's going to be all right. He knows everything's all right in my father's house. He knows it's going to work. He's not happy about what's going on. He's not giggling about being in pain. He's not giggling about the loss of people. He's not happy about it. But you had joy understanding that God's working this out for an eternal end. And you have that experience of that working hope. Whereas a new Christian, a younger Christian, they're trying to trust God and they're trusting God, but they don't know and don't have the assurance. So it's, it's really, to be honest with you, beautiful. 
I want to encourage you, all you younger Christians, you younger people, it's beautiful getting old in the Lord. It's just beautiful getting older in God. It's a, it's a beautiful walk. But what happens is when you, go, when you go so far, you've learned enough, God takes you home. So I can tell you by the fact that I'm here tonight, he's not done with me. But if, you, if, if I'm gone tomorrow, you said you, 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 that last statement you said, that's what I wanted you to say, and I wanted you to learn that, now you can go home. And my wife will say, finally. I mean, uh, okay, that was what God's process was. I just gave it to you. That's God's process. So a little review here. Okay, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, this is the second part. Now we're on to verse 24. I'm blind to my faults. The Bible says twice, every man's right in his own eye. Boy. This is a catch twenty-two. This is a this is a catch twenty-two. This is a loop. We're blind in our own eyes, and we can't see our faults. And what keeps us in that loop is our pride. What keeps you in that loop is your pride. If God, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God can pierce the pride, He'll show you your fault. And you'll admit you got it. And you'll be broken about it. And you, by the grace of God, try to move away from it. You with me? Have you ever had anybody cuss? Cussing. Cuss, 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 cuss. They don't think there's a thing wrong with that. But eventually they get saved. And God pierces them and says, it's wicked, vile, not proper for a child of God. And they see themselves for the first time the way God sees them. You know, I don't believe we can stand to see ourselves the way God sees us. Not all at once. I don't know about you, but I can only take so much criticism. I can only take so much. I can take some criticism. But after you criticize me too much, then I don't think you like me, and I don't take any more criticism. Are you with me on that? If my mother was here, I would accept her criticism because I know she loves me. If my dad was here, I could accept his criticism 100% because I know He'd never do anything to hurt me. But average people are not that way with you. And so when they come around and say, well, criticism, they got to do, I only criticize you a little bit at a time, number one. Because if I criticize you too much, your pride will rise up and you'll challenge me and we'll part ways because pride always separates. Sin always separates. This thing about not seeing your faults is huge. This last part of this, this is a, <laughs> search me and know my heart, try me and, and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Ooh. Whoa. 
That's big. I can't see them. He must see them. You remember Samson? Not Simpson, Samson. Not the Simpsons, Samson. <laughs> Are you all there tonight? Samson of old, you know, Samson, the strong guy. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, remember? Filled with the Holy Spirit. A man had been many times filled with the Holy Spirit. A man chosen of God, a man used of God. Would any, would there, could there be any objection to that? No. So what happened to Samson? Well, what, what Samson did when he walked away from God, he couldn't see his faults. Sin blinds you, sin binds you, and sin grinds you. That's what happened to Samson. Because of his sin, he got blinded, he got bound, and he got ground. That's what he got to do the rest of his life, except for his last moment in life. He got a little redemption. So often filled with the Holy Ghost, yet he failed. And we can fail also. Samson failed to see his fault with his eyes, and look what happened. So God let him see his faults without his eyes. Oh, not me. I, I, I see, Lord. I see. I believe, Lord. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Amen? I don't want to have to have God take my eyes out so that I'll see. He told the Pharisees, because you say you see, your sin remaineth. Don't let this be you. Confess your faults. Be little in your own eyes. I had one of my, I told you this before, for our visitors, I'll say it again, I sent myself a birthday card. Like I sent a bunch of birthday cards out and we were late. Would love to know why that's blinking. But uh, we were late with our birthday cards because the printer didn't get them to us in time. So we finally got them. And we, we're, they're coming your way, you people with birthdays in January and anniversaries in January. Which I have an anniversary in January, so I wrote my anniversary card today. Wrote my birthday card on December 23rd, and I wrote my birthday card, and I said, Billy, stay small in your own eyes. Stay small. Be humble in your thoughts of yourself. If you ever get like Nebuchadnezzar, you say, I made it. Get ready. Because God's going to knock your head off. He's going to knock your head off. Because he don't want you in heaven like that. He don't want you in heaven saying, oh, I'm good, man. I did it. I made it. Woo. That's, not the, that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's not the voice of the Word of God. And so, beware. And so, in the other part of verse, and leave me in the way of uh, See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So what about that last part? It says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I want to be able to escape all the things that should come to pass. And by the grace of God and the gra His grace only, stand before the Son of Man. And I like in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, it says, I heard another, another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that be not partakers of her sins, that ye have not received her plagues. I thought that's interesting. The people in the tribulation, people that get saved in the tribulation period, which will be, by the way, as a sand of the sea without number. 
there's a false teaching that people won't be saved in the tribulation period because there's no Holy Spirit. That's totally no false wrong. Nobody gets saved without the Holy Spirit. We know there'll be people saving the Holy Spirit by the, like, without number, sand of the sea. Be people saved. That's why I like leaving tracts, leaving Bibles, leaving everything, because when we're gone, they get they get to get that stuff. They're going to want that stuff. There's people going to, people going to, God's going to do a great in-gathering in, in the tribulation, but those, those souls in the tribulation period are going to probably die for their faith. They will suffer because they're not going to be able to buy or sell, and they're going to be people help them, or they're not going to be able to live. They're going to be turned in by their own parents or by their own children. There's going to be parents betraying children, children betraying parents. It's going to be a horrible. It's going to be a horrible time to live. In fact, there's never been that time of tribulation. It never will be again. It's that bad. Is, is, this, is this blinking? This TV is blinking. Would you put a note on that for me? Tell, tell Chris you got to fix it. Don't touch that, brother. <laughs> make, make this verse your constant prayer. Search me. That's the heart. Try me. That's thoughts. Just went blank again. See me, make sure I don't have a wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. There's more. End well. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, there it is. It's a prayer. This is such a necessary prayer. By the grace of God. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.